Welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Madel, joined as always by Chris Bouguet. Hey, Chris, how are you? All right, Rachel, how are you? I'm doing good. I love our Talking With Tech recording days. So I have a topic that I want to talk about. What I'm about to say, I think, is going to be very controversial. So let's, uh, let's yeah, I know, right? Um, I think we've said it before on the podcast, but I think it bears repeating. And that is this concept of education before restriction. So what I mean by that is that frequently in social media, when I see people ask questions about behavior in AAC, often a solution that I see when it comes to assistive technology in general is to lock kids out of it, meaning let's turn on guided access, let's take it away, let's, um, this kid is mucking around and changing stuff in his device, well, lock him out of it so he can't do that. In fact, most recently I, I saw a Facebook post where someone wrote something along those lines, you know, like kid gets in, changes his settings. And everyone's response underneath was, Turn on guided access. Turn on guided access. Did you know this device had this restriction or you could turn on these restrictions? Those were all of the responses. And there had to be, I was counting them, like 30 responses of suggestions of how to lock the kid out of the technology. And what jumped to my mind is this concept of education before restriction. We are educators before we are prison guards. Like, if I wanted to be a prison guard, I would have gone and been a prison guard, but I wanted to be an educator. What I'm trying to make the point here is there will be times when you need to use guided access. And it's called guided access, Rachel. It's not called guided restriction, right? Because this helps somebody learn better. But I don't feel like that's the go-to move at first. When someone locks themselves out of a, they, they, they change something in their communication device, they're pressing the buttons, what appears to you to be randomly, and you want to lock them out, they keep closing the app. My go-to solution is not to lock them into the app, but to teach them not to get out of the app. Like, why would it be important to stay here? Which is a longer term thing. I understand that means, you know, possibly video modeling, possibly the social situation stories, possibly some explicit teaching about why you would stay in this app, some maybe emotions. When you do this, it makes me sad. Those sorts of conversations and those sorts of strategies. But I feel like the first foot forward, the 30 responses should be about how we can help somebody not be locked into their device or locked into their uh, making mistakes, but how we can educate them to want to stay there or to learn why they should stay there. All right. So that's my TED Talk. Thank you for coming to it. What are your thoughts? I'm clapping. So, you know, this is a really good topic, Chris, and I think it's something that... I've thought about, but like not a lot. So like, I mean, I generally agree with you in a lot of ways, almost on everything. I feel like we're, we're so, we agree on a lot. <laughs> um, I think that there's a lot of teaching opportunities that we have that we kind of squander when we just like add a setting or I'm thinking about operational skills, right? Like we just go and plug the device in instead of taking an opportunity to say, look, your device is about to die. Like we need to go find the charger and like you make it a learning experience. And so I think there's a lot of learning opportunities 
you know, with AAC and we always jump to like the quick fix. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about here is like quick fixes, lock them out. <laughs> um, long-term, you know, strategy is teach them why they'd like to stay in. Right. And so I think it's something where, you know, we just need to be cognizant of it. And I think that I think that oftentimes like there's just like a lot of restrictions put on kids, especially kids with complex communication needs. And so anytime we can just start thinking about it in ways that are just like more open and guiding children instead of, you know, imposing all of these like restrictions, because I'll give you an example. I have a student, um, older student, like 19 years old, and he hates guided access. He like, he also has some OCD things going on. So like, and like repetitive behaviors, um, autistic, and he goes crazy when guided access is put on. And like, he, he just like can't handle it. Like, cause he like is locked out and he's like, I want to have control over this device. And I want to be able to click out of the app when I want to. And again, like I said, there's some like, you know, obsessive compulsive types of repetitive behaviors that he does. Um, but I think he like gets stressed when he can't execute that. But I think that's a perfect example of how, like, we don't know with, and he's an older, you know, student who like, we have a diagnosis of OCD and, you know, he, he has the, we have the benefit as a team knowing kind of his behaviors and, you know, kind of what makes him anxious and things like that versus a younger student who maybe is a little more dysregulated, um, just getting started with AAC. Like, we don't know, like, we don't know if locking them into an app, you know, is going to cause anxiety or make them dysregulated. And so I think that like, we need to just like be cognizant of that as educators to not just jump to like the prison guard, <laughs> right? Like to really like take teaching opportunities. And then if that doesn't work, then like, yes, we can rely on the tools that, th that we have at our disposal. But yeah, I mean, I think it's a really important point. Uh, we just kind of don't think about it. And I think it's especially problematic for younger students because sometimes like we, it's harder to read what's going on and they're not typically able to communicate well, which is why we need AAC to begin with. And so, you know, we don't know what kinds of uh, ramifications there are to putting on something like that. I think to, to sum that up, it's which strategy are you leading with? You're leading with education. I'm going to teach them how to. And then if that is not something that's working effectively, then I can always go to restriction as a as a backup mode. But which which person do you want to be? You want to be the person that is leading with education and then following up with restriction if necessary. Would that be a fair way to sum it up? I think so. I also want to just like, since we're talking about this idea of restriction and we touched on guided access, let's just like do a public service announcement about restricting vocabulary. Because <laughs> I feel like uh, I see a lot of that happening. Like, oh, they keep saying cookie. We can't give them cookie. They take the word off or, you know, make it dimmed or do all these things. And it's like, no, no, like, let's not like restrict vocabulary. Let's not restrict access to the actual device because they are saying words repeatedly or doing other things that might be a distraction. Um, and so I think it's just like a good opportunity to remind everybody who's listening. That's not something that we do. Uh, we don't have the ability to do that who, with kids who have verbal speech. So why would we ever think that we could do that for kids who are using devices to communicate now? 
I get that it can be challenging. Like, how do you work with teams when they're like, no, we just took the button off. We only have what's available and that's all that we put on the device. So sometimes it's not easy, but it's definitely worth advocating for, for your students, just because it, it causes a lot of anxiety. And that's like where I lead. That's where I lead. If you had cookie in your brain and you were able to say it all the time, and then somebody was able to take it out of your vocabulary, but you still thought it and you wanted to say it, but it wasn't there. Like you would be searching the device, probably getting frustrated because you're like, where was it? I saw it there yesterday. I want a cookie right now. I see them in the cabinet and I can't find it. Yeah. You know what I equate that to? And you sort of mentioned is like, you don't do that for verbal kids. You don't rip, go into their brain and rip out that word so they can't say it. Right. In a similar way, I think about this maybe as an analogy is let's say a kid was always picking his nose, right? He's picking his nose. He's constantly picking his nose. He's constantly picking his nose. Do you put cotton up his nose? Do you, this is going to get morbid, but do you chop off his finger? Like you don't do that, right? You teach them not to pick their nose, right? So if you can make that analogy, you know, my weird metaphors that I come up with, Rachel, but if you can make that like, well, I wouldn't do it in this situation. Why would I do it in this situation? Just because I possibly, the technology allows me to, you know, I wouldn't. And I think you can equate that to to other things that, uh, that kids do where you wouldn't necessarily take it away. You would teach them how to use it effectively. It takes a little bit longer. Like you said, I, you get that it's not, it's not always easy, but in the long run, it's more respectful and it probably has better long, long-term outcomes. Yeah. And I think that it's just like, we, we want these quick fixes. I think that that's part of it is like, we're living in a culture that's like super quick fixy, right? Like, and like, uh, and I, and myself included, I'm like, yeah, so like, let's solve a problem right now, <laughs> you know, and it doesn't always work like that. Um, I think the same, I think it's the same across any kind of area of AAC that we're talking about. Like our children with complex communication needs sometimes take a while to learn things. It needs constant repetition, practice, opportunities, you know, and so it's just like, it's not something that's like, I snap my finger and it's gone, you know, it takes time. It takes time to teach these things and to see the kind of fruits of our labor. What else takes time is building your skills as a person that is learning to be a communication partner. And that's what our interview is today. So without further ado, here's part two of our coaching call with Nikki Stembian. Here at Talking With Tech, we're excited to partner with Smiles for Speech. This organization provides children with special needs living in impoverished communities the intervention and resources needed to help children reach their full potential. Smiles for Speech aims to provide long-term sustainable solutions for children worldwide. Their mission is to distribute educational materials, provide training to teachers and families without access to appropriate intervention, and to create global awareness on the importance of therapeutic services to support children in need. With your help, Smiles for Speech will continue to broaden their reach in assisting children living in disadvantaged communities gain access to the therapy services and education they need to thrive. To support this organization, go to smilesforspeech.org to learn more about this organization and to offer your support. That's smilesforspeech.org.
Nikki, how many time, how many, what's your minutes like? Uh, your service time. Twice a week for 20 to 30 minutes, four and to eight it, times or eight to five to eight times a month, whenever, but yeah. And is that direct with the student? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And is there any other service time like consulting or anything like that? Uh, not for speech written on the IEP. Um, but I mean, I do it anyway, <laughs> the indirect part. I just say it's not written in the IEP that way. But yeah, totally, totally right. <laughs> um, so a couple of thoughts there is that it, to kind of uh, dovetailing into what Rachel was was talking about is I could totally imagine once you've picked the system, it's sitting near the student and the teaching assistant and the, and the um, teacher using it with as what's the phrase rachel i've I've heard it i can't seem to remember what it is oh my uh, phrase yeah what my is it inspired not require yeah where the this, this <laughs> again the, the the idea being that if we just used it and modeled it and it was just in her environment and she saw other people using it then there wouldn't necessarily be that aversion to using it you know mm -hmm. um because yeah. there wouldn't be an immediate expectation that you do anything with it the expectation is for the paraprofessionals and the teachers to do something but in order for them to know how to do that, they might need a Nikki to see, oh, this <laughs> I see, you know what I mean? Um, which requires two things. One, you to be there and then to them to kind of watch you, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe third step would be flipping that role where now you're there, but you're watching them, you know? And that would not necessarily be direct therapy to the student. You'd be more consulting. Mm -hmm. And in that same vein, What's going to happen, I, it's going to happen. So I'll prepare you for it. <laughs> I don't even have to look into my crystal ball because I know what's going to happen is those paraprofessionals will quit or leave or you've got a window of three years with, with those paraprofessionals at the most before mm -hmm. she moves on to high school. So something in that implementation plan might be considering how are we coaching mom to do this at home? How are we making mm -hmm. life easier for mom at home? How could they implement it at home? What could our what could my therapy look like where, especially in this day and age, where I could coach her through how to use it in in situations at home? Yeah, I had kind of already had that discussion with uh, the special ed teacher the other day on more on the aspect of like training all the staff kind of like I would kind of like even told her I'm not sure how that looks and you know, a big training or whatever and I was like, well, you know, we're in this pandemic has kind of taught me to use technology a little bit more in other ways. So I had kind of brought up the point that maybe I could like even just record either a session with her or even just like, uh, you know, use my dot cam and even just pulling up the app and like, here are the, you know, the basics and how to search for words and those kinds of things. Um, and maybe share it with mom that way. And then, so right now, um, I have a device that she can use, but I would probably, um, for now, I mean, long-term, of course, I want it to go home, but it's borrowed from our Michigan Lending Library. Um, and so just because if anything happens, it is, you know, on the ISD and all that to cover the cost. So I would say while we're trialing it at school and all that, it probably would stay at school. Um, but I guess I don't know if there's like a, a better way to go about that or. Well, 
Oh, what were yeah, you going to say, Chris? No, no, you go. <laughs> I was going to just say you really took the words out of my mouth, Nikki, because I was going to ask you, is there a way that you can record some of the work that you're doing with her in her session? Because um, it's really hard sometimes to interject into, into a classroom, to have access to parents, um, all of those things. Um, I would recommend, because um, you had mentioned perhaps recording your sessions, I actually would probably keep the videos really short if you can. Um, just, I mean, you can feel free to record your whole session and then just take a snippet from that. Um, but the the thing is when we want people to get bought in, it it doesn't look like, yes, I'll watch 30 minutes of a speech therapy session. It's like, Oh, I'll Mm -hmm. watch one minute of this video and I'll benefit just the same. Right. Um, cause we need people to actually do that stuff. This extra step that we're asking, we need people to actually watch the video. Um, so Mm -hmm. making sure you kind of pull clips from that. Okay. Um, but I think that would be a really good strategy to start building this foundational understanding of how to implement the device, how to, you know, facilitate more communication interactions. And I think you could do those types of things for everybody, right? You could record videos of you programming a button, like you said, of you actually working with the student and then explaining like, here's what, what I'm doing and here's why. Um, and here's some ideas for what you guys can do at home um, and also in the classroom and also at OT and you know all of the places that she goes. Okay. Yeah. That's really helpful. I probably would have recorded the whole thing. And then like, yeah, watch this session, but that makes a lot of sense. Like They'll probably watch maybe five minutes, but <laughs> that's probably we're a lucky. question. If we're lucky, yeah, we'll yeah. Watch five minutes. <laughs> yeah. So, but I'll need the whole session to get, a, you know, a chunk that is good for them to watch. So that's really helpful. (laughs) And what's nice about that too, is I'll just kind of add one more thing. If we have some type of system where it's all organized, right? Not just through email, but I like setting up spreadsheets because I can share a link to the video. Um, and then what's nice about that is it's this, this living document that parents can then have access to. They can review things. They can share with new therapists. Say she starts getting private speech or she has a new BI that starts or a new teacher. We all of a sudden have this archive of the strategies that we know work for her, her system, her using her system. Um, and so it's a really great strategy to think, um, more long-term because as Chris mentioned, the problem is the turnover, right? It's like, we do all this training and all this talking and all this, you know, educating, and then, you know, the paraprofessionals leave or the teachers new or the SLP changes. Right. Um, and so if we can figure out ways to make this, these strategies and this training last and be easily shared, it just like, you know, kills so many birds with one stone. Yeah. I love that. Like make a drive and for that student, then it's always there. And then they see team can see that we are working on, you know, something. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then the other thing is too, with that is that people can also share videos of their sessions, right? So it's not just you kind of sharing videos. It's like mom can share a video of, Mm -hmm. you know, the student using the device and OT can share a video of the student using the device. Um, So it becomes this collaboration. Um, Everybody sees what everybody else is doing. And Mm -hmm. it also increases motivation. Like, wow, look, all the things that we're doing Mm -hmm. is working. She's using Go at, you know, at home and she's using it at OT and all these places that she goes. Um, So I think that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's Nikki, awesome. I want to add that. that 
you kind of uh, in, inferred this question of what should training look like? Should I do like a big, massive training for everybody? Um, I've done it both ways. And I can tell you that neither will work. <laughs> um, meaning, meaning so often what has happened in my experience is that I've done a training and what people really need is they need that training, but I didn't do the second part. And this is the second part that we've been trying to do now in our neck of the woods, which is add that coaching piece. Um, so breaking down the skill, I, I can show little videos. I can give experiences of me as a speech therapist doing it. I can show other people doing it, but it's sort of like riding a bike. Someone has to get in there and start modeling themselves. They have to start like providing their own wait time. And those are all little skills that they need coaching on. They need to record themselves and you watch it together with them or they watch it. And go, okay, so tell me, how do you think you did there? Oh, I jumped in too quick and let them start coming to themselves. The principal person there, I think is mom. But if you can only start with the school, then start with the school, you know? Um, I mean, you need to get as many people as you can. Mm -hmm. yeah. Does that help kind of lay out the implementation plan that it's got to be a, a two-pronged approach a training and a coaching approach yeah absolutely and uh i'll be honest like in the past coaching us one wasn't even super on like something i was you know informed about but then even just the pandemic has i mean i've had to do that because for a while there was no other way to do this uh you know aac uh virtually and so i you know we keep trying to point out the positives on all of this. And that has been something that like I've started to figure out and learn how to do and implement and become more comfortable with. So yes, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so if you were going to coach these communication partners, you know, the teacher, the, the, the parent, the paraprofessionals, maybe even students, maybe her, the siblings, um, what were, what would be some skills you'd want them to be able to do? Um, modeling. I'm not sure if, you know, a lot of people even quite understand what that means and the modeling without, again, without the expectation that like they have to say it, you know, that, that that's just like their input. Um, and, uh, I think you had just mentioned it, the wait time of, you know, night night, just do it right away. And I mean, like special education teachers specifically probably already kind of do these things, but like that planned kind of like sabotage type thing where you like purposely like don't give them everything they need for something because just I guess different ways to foster and encourage communication and not just kind of giving into like you know what this gesture means and but you know what I mean so then okay so then still model it and those kinds of things so um yeah some of those kinds of things and I think when, I think those are awesome skills and I think that's right up, I think that's, you nailed it. I think uh, a tendency for us to do is to look at those skills and try and get them done in a week. Like I'm going to get this person or, or even a month, you know, where it takes a lot longer than that, you know? All right. So I'm going to plan out three to six sessions just to practice wait time. You know what I mean? Um, so someone gets really good at that. Okay. Now we're going to move on to the, the, the next thing, you know? The, 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 the mnemonics out there, like S'mores from Jill Center and Matt Baud or Tabby Jones-Willibur and, and Master Pal, I think help um, people wrap their brains around the entirety of what they're trying to learn. And you could just practice each letter, you know, and one of those yes. mnemonics um, for a while. The other nice thing, Nikki, about the skills that you just mentioned is 
they're, they're really device agnostic, meaning these are important skills, no matter what the system. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I know that we're kind of in this place where we don't know what system to pick and we're all trying to figure it out. But the reality is if you teach communication partners about modeling and wait time and communication facilitation strategies, you will be helping them no matter what system we we end up choosing. Um, And so I think that that's a really good place to start. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that kind of like puts me at ease of like feeling like I have to like figure out this system and implement it right now because of, you know, I mean, we only have half a school year left, which we have half a school year left, but you know what I mean? I I just kind of, I came into this kind of feeling a little bit of pressure because I was asked to see the student because I have the most experience with the AAC and my um, ISD as a speech therapist, but I'm like, yeah, but I still need some, uh, some help, you know, or I'm not sure on a couple of things. And I kind of felt like, yeah, like they want needed something and wanted something like right now, but that's a really good point that like even teaching these skills could generalize to other devices, whether it be for her if we, or other apps, whether it be for her, if we go with something else down the road or even just any other student along the way. So makes a lot of sense. And it puts me in. This will not be their last student that has AAC. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it won't. Nikki, um, yeah. So, so the sooner they learn it, the better, right? And the more confident and they'll, they'll feel and the, the, the more um, they'll enjoy their job, you know, rather than feeling like they're not doing what they're doing. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Nikki, I want to go back to uh, real quick. I want to talk about the, um, the acquisition of the device. So if you pictured yourself kind of facilitating this meeting where you are at kind of asking questions and filling out that chart um, collaboratively and the team then said, okay, now we're going to put, touch chats up there. We're going to put lamp up there. We're going to put Prolo Quo up there. We're going to fill this chart together. Which one do we think comes out in the wash? And you landed on one. Um, What do you think? I mean, is there anything that would be preventing the IEP team from saying, okay, let's get it. This is what we're getting. Is there anything preventing the school district from saying, let's get it and let's implement it? Um, So again, right now I have like the borrowed device uh, from Alt Shift. So I guess once that kind of loan is up which they're really awesome but like extending them too if we needed it for a while there it's like one of those are the most amazing organizations ever I think um but I think I guess maybe that's a question too that I have is like I guess I wouldn't want to like acquire and grow through the like funding a Medicaid process until I feel like we had we were this is what we want to go with right so I mean, I guess that would be the only thing is if I we couldn't borrow the um, device from Alt Shift any, or that's what it's called from Alt Shift any longer, and maybe we still weren't super sure as a team that that was it. Then, you know, I guess how would that look as far as funding and those kinds of things? Does your school school district have iPads? Uh, they, yes, they have iPads, but I don't know how like that would look with like you know like a case and all the extra, like, you know, we want something very durable and protected. And um, I guess I haven't really explored like what our funding in that area uh, looks like before. So I I would have to get myself knowledgeable in all those aspects too. So maybe it wouldn't be a roadblock at all. 
Yeah, it might not be. And and when the student does transition, then you'd have that device that you could use, meaning um, let's say the student moves or eventually ages out, you'd have that device that you'd be able to use then for other purposes, you know? Um, typically, I'll just tell you in our neck of the woods, in our school district, we the app is not tied to the iPad, meaning you can load different apps into iPads in the, the way that's managed. So your IT department might be able to do that and help you with that. And a little cheat code that I'll give you is that there are tons of cases out there, case companies that will just give you a case. Hey, I want to try this for my classroom. And they're like, oh, yeah, here, have one. Do you know what I mean? Um, no, no joke. I got an email today from a, from, a, from a company that said, hey, we'd like to let you have one of our new cases. We just developed a new case. Can you you know, try it out for us? And that's just me and my school district. You know what I mean? Um, so you can definitely get a case very inexpensively, if not free. <laughs> okay, awesome. That's good to know. Just ask. <laughs> yes, yes. Honestly, ask. you'd be surprised yeah. how much just asking <laughs> will get you in the AAC world, actually. Um, so yeah, don't hesitate to ask. Nikki, do you have any questions like for us that we haven't answered or anything that are still like, oh, like I don't know what to do? Um, so specifically still, I have kind of an off topic one for the very end too, but <laughs> I guess maybe it would be kind of uh, helpful to me to like very briefly, like kind of go through like my next steps and everything and make sure I'm, you know, kind of yes, organizing awesome. my thoughts. Let's do it. <laughs> I, I like of, it. <laughs> I kind of feel like um, just basically starting with getting as many, all if possible of those team members all together for like a meeting and kind of like we were saying, have like a spreadsheet open and go through the things we would want to be um, part of uh, the app or the, you know, her communication and kind of like all deciding together based on what we all think she needs and kind of leaning that. Um, and then from there, um, I think, I would think I would start with like the, just like a recording of the recordings of me doing it with the student and kind of the basics on the app, the really short clips, and then, you know, send that out to the team, but then kind of like going and pushing in and, modeling it then myself with the student and the different staff that are with her at different points in the day. Um, and then after doing that for a little bit, then flipping it and asking them to kind of do it and kind of coaching them through that. Um, and all the, all the little things that go in between there, lots of extra details, but yeah. And then kind of like, we would be taking data along the whole thing. And hopefully we have some good data at that point to support like, yeah, this is working with the student or no. And then kind of go back to that list that we, and you know, what was option two that we liked if, if not, um, and then kind of go through that process with that one again. Um, but then at that point we'd be looking at, or I guess at any point if the iPads do back by that time, uh, to kind of talk with the, um, the district and ISD about how do we get this so that she has it, you know, completely all access all the time and just kind of keep building on that. Oh, and then that, the spreadsheet thing, I've, I'm going to start using that with everybody. <laughs> yes. Do that with everybody. It'll work wonders. <laughs> yeah. Nikki, in that so, summary, 
I just want to point out one little thing there, and that is it is very unlikely that if you go through a nice collaborative process where everyone's deciding together and you're doing this implementation with fidelity, like you said, and you're collecting data, that you'll get it wrong. And if you find that the iPad, uh, this happens a lot, students will plateau for a while and then break through that plateau. Um, I would be very hesitant three, six months down the line changing the app after mm-hmm. you decided if if there's a plateau look inward and look at the team and say what can we do implementation wise that's different mm-hmm. not let's give it a different app it's not working okay yeah that makes sense and just to add on that chris i feel like oftentimes you need to follow the motivation <laughs> So you need to figure out how the device is being modeled. And again, like circling back to sometimes, you know, classroom, you know, professionals and teachers, they're very utilitarian with the device. Like they think like, yes, she needs to tell me when she needs to go to the bathroom and all these things that aren't really fun and exciting. And so if you see a plateau, the first things I look at are what's the aided language input? How much input is the student getting with this specific you know, vocabulary that we've chosen. And two, is the student motivated? And so those two things will typically tell you where you need to spend more time and energy. I wrote those down. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I had one more note. I don't want to forget this. I know you'd said, and I realized the whole getting the paraprofessionals on board is sometimes really challenging because of the hours and it's like they can't stay after school and, you know, all these things. I would suggest going out of your way to specifically talk to each of them about what they think would be a good system or, you know, show them the potential systems. What do you think would be good for the student? And the reason for that is because they do the heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. They do the heavy lifting all day at school. And so we really need them bought into the process. And if it's this thing where they feel like an outsider because there's this big meeting and they didn't go, then all of a sudden, you know, they don't feel bought into the process. Um, so I definitely go out of your way to have conversations and include the paraprofessionals in the conversation, even if they can't be at this specific meeting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely value paraprofessionals. They, yeah, they're so important and they, they make my job easier if, you know, I can get them to (laughs) engage. Exactly. I mean, I really like commend all the paraprofessionals that work with our students because they're, you know, they're there for every moment, like Mm -hmm. the wins, but also like the behaviors and the bad days. And, you know, they're there, you know, through thick and thin in a lot of ways. Um, and so just making sure that we value their input and their opinion. And oftentimes what happens is, you know, their, their input is not valued, right? It's like, they're just kind of told what to do in a classroom. Um, and so the moment that you step in and say like, I want to know what you think Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's like, Oh, and, you know, like, like Chris has said, job satisfaction goes up, like everybody yeah. feels like they're part of the process. Um, and that's a huge part of AAC. Um, it's just making everybody feel motivated and inspired to keep doing all of this, you know, extra stuff that we're asking of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So Nikki, what was your last off-topic question you had? <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, it's AAC related, just not specifically to this student. Um, so again, I had kind of mentioned like I have I have a lot of other students uh, with AAC that I um, you know on my caseload, and when other therapists in my ISD have questions regarding AAC, like it just seems to be like, I tend to be the go-to person. I mean, I didn't have a ton of experience in, um, you know, my clinical and college and all that, but like, that's really what I focused my professional development on since, you know, I started practicing, but 
I just feel like uh, I don't really have somebody to like really go to like, you know, except that's why I was like, Hey, can you help me? But you know, I just like on a more regular basis, I just didn't know if you guys knew of like some sort of like, sort of like, I don't know, mentorship or just even kind of like buddy type program or something like that. Like, I don't know if you have any tips or anything like how to just somebody would be nice to like have a regular chat with somebody. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing this and this with, uh, you know, this student and not necessarily like these big, huge, you know, where do I even go from here type issues, but like bouncing ideas off on those kinds of things. I don't know if anything like that exists or. <laughs> I have some ideas for you, Nikki, because me, me I think too. you have, <laughs> you, you, you um, highlight a really, you know, big pain point, I think for, for SLPs who are really passionate and interested about AAC, you know, typically you're, you're by yourself, right? You're in a district where you're the, you're the one who knows the most and you're like, Hey, but wait, I don't know that much. Exactly. <laughs> Feels like I don't know that much. So why am I the AAC person? Right? So what you're doing is you're looking for mentorship. Um, mm-hmm. and I think one thing you could do is reach out to your local device reps, right? So your PRC rep, your Tony, Toby Dynavox rep, and just say, Hey, I'm, I'm interested in connecting with other AAC specialists because those reps inevitably will work with other SLPs and AAC specialists who know, um, you know, or they know of at least other clinicians. Um, and so that's a really good kind of launching off point to just, you know, get connected. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, something that's really easy is you could start like a monthly, you know, zoom meeting or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, or something that is just regular, more regular connection, um, with other people who share a similar passion and interest. Um, you know, and I'm sure you could, you know, get lots of clinicians with lots of different levels of experience, um, kind of coming together, chatting about cases, roadblocks, troubleshooting together. Um, so I feel like that could be a really, you know, pretty straightforward thing to set up, um, by just reaching out and trying to find other people, you know, in your neck of the woods. And then what's nice about that is it kind of grows, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, there's this monthly thing that I go to. And then people start talking about it and, you know, joining. And so I think that that could be a really good networking opportunity. Yeah. That's exactly kind of like what I was hoping or looking for. I just didn't really know how to like find that, but that's a great idea about reaching out to like local device reps. I'm on a first name basis, my Toby rep. So I'm just going to call him up next week. (laughs) Yeah. And just like, just put a date on the calendar and maybe it's just you two who start out the group, but inevitably I think this is a huge need and people will join. And, you know, especially if you're working with a rep, like they, again, have access to all different SLPs and AAC specialists. Um, So just getting something kind of regular on the calendar could be good to just get people together. Yeah. Yeah. And the rep that I know like that would help me with like Michigan specifically is, you know, where I'm from. And I think that would be helpful because different laws and different things look special education looks different in different states and those kinds of things. So I think that would be helpful to have that. Nikki, you mentioned the other organization that can really help you there. Alt-Shift is awesome. I've worked with them in the past on consulting work with them. Um, and you could reach out to them and they would be able to put you into contact with uh, others. And I, I also like the idea of um, doing some sort of like book study or podcast study where you invite other people to come and listen to the episodes or read this book together. And that would also um, kind of foster those relationships that you're, that you're building and looking for, um, mm-hmm. but around a topic. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. No, I like that's that. A- I like that, Chris. I, Nikki, did you listen to our Cuyahoga County episode? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I was going to say, I listened to the one where you they had a, a podcast 
meeting group and you guys like zoom bomb them I think you called it and like, that was yeah. really cool so yeah that's an awesome idea too of like yeah forever like we're not sure what to talk about next week let's or next month let's listen to this episode of talking with tech um, I'll put the plug in and <laughs> yeah and you know what you could do Nikki if you really want to start a podcast club which by the way Chris and I are in full support of um, <laughs> just you know reach out in our our, our Facebook group right just say I'm in Michigan like who yeah. else who's with me <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, that makes sense. That's awesome. I have so many places to go now. I am, I, before I don't have any more blocks, I'm turning in directions and, you know, we got we're SLPs, we got to bring analogies into it. So, <laughs> yeah. So do we answer your questions, Nikki? Yeah. I mean, I know more will come up along the way, but I'm going to develop that, you know, support system to go for that route. But yeah, absolutely. I have some really good ideas and have actually an idea now to kind of go forward now, which is really helpful. I really appreciate it. I'm curious. What do you think your biggest takeaway from this call is? Oh goodness. The biggest one. I know there was, there was a few probably, but like, what do you think is the biggest like aha moment you had? Like, ah, yes. Yeah. I think a lot of like, how to just like really have to do the modeling in with the um other with the paraprofessionals and like all the other related services not necessarily like the student part of it because I know how to do that right but like how to pull them all in and make it kind of like all come together but it doesn't have to be all at once and yeah like how to really show them how to do it and the modeling back like I liked the idea of uh, they record it and we sit down and watch it together or even just talk about it afterwards of like, you know, what, how did you think that went type of thing? Um, I think those were the biggest things that I haven't really steered, you know, my thoughts into yet that were really helpful. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Nikki, anytime you're welcome to come back. We're happy to brainstorm more. Please d let us know how things go and how it all turns out. We are going to be wicked curious about how, the, how <laughs> everything happens. So let us know. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so for Talking With Tech, I'm Rachel Madel, joined by Chris Bouguet and Nikki Stempian. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week.